You're listening to Everyday Engineering, the City of Madison's engineering podcast where we talk about infrastructure. Complex topics explained simply. From the water that flows down your drain to the rain and snow that drains into the lakes. By way, the curbs and streets we design. City engineering touches your life in so many ways. Explained right now in Everyday Engineering. Thank you everyone for listening in with us today here on Everyday Engineering, a podcast where we're taking on topics that impact you directly, the listener, especially here in the city of Madison. Each week we tackle topics that impact our residents from an infrastructure standpoint. And hopefully we will have some fun along the way, making some of these complex topics a little easier to understand. So my name is Hannah Molinitsky, Public Information Officer for the City of Madison Engineering Division. And I am graciously joined by City of Madison Principal Engineer Christy Bachman and Greg Fries. He is the Deputy City Engineer. And they both are here to talk all things public right-of-way and some of the conversation that's kind of come into question this summer as part of construction season. So thank you both for being here. Absolutely. Yeah, so excited. This is great. This is a new podcast, so we're getting it started today. Uh, Public right-of-way. So I came across this topic for our podcast to kind of chat about because after some of the coverage earlier this summer locally in the media, it was pretty obvious that there needs to be some conversation and really some clarification of what it is and how it's impacting anyone living in Madison. So first things first, let's start simple. What is it and what sort of projects do conversations about public right-of-way sort of uh, surface? Sure, so public right-of-way is uh, land that's been dedicated to the public. So uh, for transportation uh, needs and also underground utilities, um, trees, bus stops, um, rain gardens, all kinds of things exist in the public right-of-way and usually the projects that bring up the conversations when we start talking about it are uh, major reconstructions and also uh, resurfacing projects that end up disturbing the uh, terrace areas and other parts of the right-of-way. Yeah, I would only add I think really what brings up th- this to people is a change to the public right-of-way. So our public right-of-ways, we tend to do a major street project once every 60 years. And so something exists in space for 60 years and people don't, re- it, that is what it is, right? And when you, mm-hmm. when you do a reconstruction, oftentimes we will add something to that sidewalk, a bus stop, trees, and people's perception of where their property line was is changed. And that's when sometimes you get into a situation where, well, that's not where the property line is. And well, mm-hmm. yeah, it kind of is. It's just that we didn't, it's not noted out in the field so people don't recognize. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's that's kind of leads me to my next question. You know, why do you think that there is that kind of bit of confusion of public right of way and where that line is and how that all works? Well, uh, Probably the main reason is because the markers that show you uh, where the actual property uh, corners are are underground, so you can't see them. Um, on a street that has sidewalk, it, you can see you know the public is using the sidewalk and the other elements of the street. Uh, the ones that are a little bit more difficult are the streets that don't have sidewalks. So there's usually you know a good, um, usually at least 12, 14 feet worth of grass that is still city right-of-way, but a normal homeowner is just going to think of that as their front yard and their front lawn. 
So yeah, I mean, a lot, I think we heard a lot of it with the coverage with the bus pads and the you know where the bus stops go and and really what the city can do with that land. And I think yes, so where is the line? And if you don't know where the line is, call us, right? Yep. Call us in engineering because we can help you kind of get an idea of you know where that line is and and how you can kind of move forward. Especially, I mean, when people put their fences in, that's a that's a very like easy everyday thing that people might come across but if the fence is in that public right of way and there's a reconstruction project there's a chance that it could be having to be removed which that's where i think a lot of the conversation comes where people are, no i don't want to move that i put that there i put money there but i guess yeah. can you speak to that just a little bit because we are willing to work with people but sometimes what can you do? Sure. Um, so if you have sidewalk, once again, it's uh, the very first foot of grass is in the public right-of-way. So, uh, you know, generally if a fence came a little bit into the right-of-way, it doesn't create an issue for us. But where you have a street where there's no sidewalk and somebody's, you know, 10 feet into the right-of-way, in those instances we will actually send a letter to the property owners asking them to have it moved back to their own property. So... And, and this does affect, so we're talking public right-of-way today, but there is kind of a flip side of this coin that we deal with often, um, and that's for people who back up to publicly owned land that is not a right-of-way. So it could be a city park, it could be a, a pond, it could be a greenway. The same thing applies there, only there's never sidewalk there. So then a lot of times people tend to go by what they see as power boxes or their utility boxes in the in the backyard. They kind of view that as that that's their property line. And it may be, it may be close, it may be five feet away. As far as, you know, if you're, if you're only using that to gauge where you mow, no big deal. But if you're using that to gauge where you're going to put a fence into or a deck or a pool, mm -hmm. you know, we've had uh, a number of instances where somebody hired a contractor and built a full-on pool five feet uh, onto the city's property, sure. right? And that's a difficult thing, right, not yeah. only for the city to deal with, but also for the homeowner, right? I mean, you spent, you know, thousands of dollars building an in-ground pool, and it's not on your property. Mm -hmm. And so when you're going to make those kind of investments, especially backing up to a, say, a, or, or backing up to a, a public space, it's worth having somebody come out and define your property line. Yes. Um, it, it, you know, if you're going to spend thousands of dollars, it's worth the 500 to hire a surveyor to find your property lines for you. Yep. That if you get anything out of this, <laughs> out of this podcast, just note before you build, make sure you know where the property line is. Yeah. If anything, you take away from today, um, I think yeah, the last thing you want, you build anything, invest anything, pool, fence, deck, anything. Yep, children's play structures that that has happened as well, right? Yep. Why mow the lawn? It must be mine. Well, not really. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So if you know, as we kind of move forward, you know, what should people know about public right of way, maybe in relation to construction, really anything else, any other little takeaways, what should people know about public right of way? Especially if they're considering any changes to their uh, property at all, to find out where it is. That's essentially probably the most important for the adjacent property owners. Yeah, and, and depending on what you're going to do, you know, if you're going to plant a tree or something like that or a garden, mm -hmm. you know, there's different levels of how hard you have to work to figure this out, right? You can probably, if you're going to, you know, plant a garden, 
measuring off the sidewalk with a with a tape is probably close enough. If you're going to put a fence in, okay, now you probably want to really know because there are some rules. Every a lot of subdivisions have rules on how you can put fences, you know, where they have to be on how many feet away from the property line and all that kind of thing. So, hmm. you know, Christy's right. It's not, as you start to get into, you know, those types of structures, it's not just, well, am I in the public right-of-way? It's am I, am, am I in compliance with the building codes, right? Am I in compliance with my subdivision a- agreements, right? Because there's a lot of times additional requirements. So it, it's good to know where your property irons are. And if you pay somebody to establish them, then you should try and keep them there, right? You know, because mm-hmm. they tend to get buried over time. So if you keep your, uh, they usually put in a, uh, a steel spike to identify them and uh, keep those so you don't have to do it again. Yeah. Wait, that's my yard. No, <laughs> who wears the line? Let's talk about it. Okay. So what are the property owner's responsibilities and really what can the city do with the land? Let's just plainly um, sort of kind of simply explain it so if there is no confusion. Sure. So the uh, property owners are required to remove any snow from uh, sidewalks in the area if they have sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Also to maintain the terrace, which is the terrace would be the grassy area between the sidewalk and the curb. Um, the city, you know, uh, plows and maintains the uh, actual roadway uh, and um, you know, property owners would then be responsible for their own driveways. Sure. From a utility standpoint, is there anything that really differs, I guess? No, I think the only thing you have to realize is that, um, especially if you don't have sidewalk and it's easier to consider it your yard, there are probably a number of buried utilities in that terrace, okay? Most notably gas, electric, cable, telephone, um, storm sewer, sanitary, and water are there, but they tend to be underneath the pavement, mm-hmm. so it, you don't get in as much conflict. But if you don't have a sidewalk and you're out and, oh, I want to plant my garden, right? A lot of that stuff is actually buried much shallower than you would expect, uh, especially cable, mm-hmm. phone. Mm-hmm. They are supposed to be a couple, like a foot deep minimum, but I have put my shovel through on the first uh, dig in the past, or they've mm-hmm. only been buried six inches deep. Sure. So it is the, the takeaway from this is it is important to, uh, anytime you're going to be working uh, near the right-of-way or even on your home, to use diggers hotline and call yes. right so this is this is really important people and this is this is a life kind of thing right because if you hit your power line that could be the end yeah. so yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. don't we really want to encourage people to call diggers yeah that's really good takeaways mm-hmm. it's good to kind of clearly define it you know too because i think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from is if we aren't under, understanding clearly you know who can do what with what and whose responsibility it falls from uh, as you know construction season is winding down um, obviously the work is year-round for us in engineering but uh, you know <laughs> what should residents be doing from a communication standpoint you know when they're paying attention because we have touch points with everyone on when we notify people and the process that happens with every project. So I guess, can you speak to that from a communication standpoint, what people should be watching for, what should people be kind of in the know? What is that process of communication? Sure. So we're starting to work on our uh, projects for 2020. So we're going to be notifying some of the neighbors. Our first step is always to have a just informal public meeting. 
-hmm. usually held in the neighborhood near where we're going to have our project. Um, so that would be the, the first point of contact, um, you know, and then there's a whole process that continues um, if, depending on what kind of project it is and if there's assessments involved. Um, so there'd be additional meetings uh, at the Board of Public Works and possibly other committees. Uh, so look for a mailing. Uh, another good way, too, is uh, on our city website. Um, at City of Madison Engineering, we uh, have really good maps that show what's coming up in the future years. Mm -hmm. uh, people that uh, contact info if you want to get more info. And then also um, the projects that are already up and running and being designed have pretty uh, good pages that have a lot of information. Yeah. And part of that process, I mean, those are letters, those are postcards, um, Board of Public Works, the public has opportunity to weigh in, um, Common Council. Um, these are just some of the things that you should be kind of keeping your eye out for, mm -hmm. um, especially if your street or area is going to be reconstructed. Um, I, I know that part of it also is the detailed fact sheet that goes out to residents and those are really important um, when it says you know everything that's going to happen on your street so one of the parts of it um, can you speak to kind of the terrace rain garden program and what sort of options those um, can pose for people sure Might so, be something yeah, on the fact sheet. absolutely right <laughs> so as part we've been doing this now for a while somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 years but um, when we are reconstructing the street, we look at um, the ability of the terrace to, ta uh, to be reconstructed as part of that, to have a rain garden in it that takes um, public water and routes it into the terrace. So it would be kind of, if you envisioned a mirror image of what your terrace is now, typically your terrace now is you know, probably a couple inches higher than the sidewalk, a couple inches higher than the curb. We're going to lower that and, and invert it and make it about a foot lower than the sidewalk or two feet lower in, in one end. And we're going to plant it with uh, natives. It's voluntary, right? There's a couple things. We, we have to have the terrace has to be wide enough. Mm -hmm. The street can't be super steep. Um, and we're going to evaluate that. And you're, if, if your street is a candidate, you're going to see that a little paragraph. It's going to say, do you want a rain garden? Mm -hmm. And... Um, the, the takeaway here is if you don't know what a rain garden is, we have a ton of information on our website. We also, the, there'll be a project engineer contact on that form. They know what this is. They'll be happy to talk to you about it. We try to accommodate this as best we can because a lot of people realize that they could get one after the decision really should have been made, right? And we, we still do that. We accommodate it and, and get it in, and the cost is exceedingly low to a homeowner. Uh, these tend to cost about $2,500 to construct. We only charge the homeowner a uh, hundred for that, wow. and and the real reason we do that is not because I care about a hundred bucks. The reason is because <laughs> if you're not willing to spend a hundred bucks, you probably shouldn't have a rain garden because they they this still falls under what Christy said before. These have to be maintained by the homeowner, and since they're native flowers, you got to get in and do some weeding and stuff, uh, you know, once or twice a year. And uh, so this is more just a stake in the game, right? We got to, sure. you got to be willing to weed. And uh, so. <laughs> I like that. Willing to weed. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> so we, we do that. The other thing I want to mention as part of the re reconstruct you're going to get on your letter is the ability we, when we replace our sanitary sewer, we also give you the opportunity to replace your lateral and the city pays 75% of that. So what a lot of people mm. don't understand is that the lateral, the sanitary lateral, uh, which takes all your wastewater from your house is 
the private property owners all the way to the main. So the main is typically right in the center of the street. So if you're in a house where we don't reconstruct streets that aren't, you know, at this point from the 50s or 60s pretty much. Mm -hmm. So the your lateral is made of clay, the same kind of clay that you see for, you know, potted plants outside, that, that kind of terracotta color clay. Sure. So that stuff is now 60, 50, 70 years old, somewhere in there. And it wasn't quite honestly that great a material to begin with. Mm -hmm. So you should take the opportunity in our 75% funding to replace the lateral to the right of way. It, 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 you know, you don't have to, we won't make you, but if it fails five years after the project, you're going to have to dig it up by yourself. It's really expensive, right? I don't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. From a selfish perspective, I want you to dig into my nice brand new road. From your perspective, I don't want you to spend ten thousand dollars to do that repair, right? Sure. You know, when I can fund that seventy-five percent for you. So, the the two takeaways from my side of the street on this is, if you're interested in a rain garden, by all means, look at that and and contact us. Tell us it's voluntary. We want to have one, and we're in. And to take advantage of the sanitary lateral replacement. Sure. Sure. And um, for anybody who's not familiar, a lateral is another word for a pipe. <laughs> that's Sorry how I think that. of it. Yes. Uh, yeah. no, that's, part of my, that's part of my job. So I got to make sure that everyone, but, it, but it's all really good information that, you know, kind of that news you can use, that consumer um, sort of angle of this, because I think part of frustration comes from not knowing. So if anything, if you're listening to this and you, I hope you take something away from this conversation more than just um, the common what is public right of way, if anything, um, that that is uh, mission accomplished. So we have run out of time for now. We will do a podcast um, in further episodes about rain gardens specifically. We can go through a whole bunch of different topics. Um, but thank you both for being here. That was Absolutely. great. Thank you, Hannah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. You know, we, we just like to talk and, and hopefully we helped you in the process. So as we um, wrap things up here, don't forget to check out the city's project page on the home city page engineering page for updates from project managers on every project we do here in engineering very very helpful projects it's the top tab on the home page of cityofmadison.com anyone listening if you have any more questions about this topic or anything else you'd really like us to chat about or dig deeper into feel free to call us in engineering or even more importantly click over to our city of madison engineering facebook page as always we are here for you as a resource every day in engineering We'll see you next time.